welcome to this very special holiday edition of Screen Time. I'm Richard Roper. I gave Rokan a little bit of time off so he could enjoy the holidays with his family. But I thought we could have a lot of fun here with a special episode and talk about Christmas movies. Now, we're not going to talk about the classic Christmas movies everybody associates with Christmas. We're going to talk about those movies that everybody always loves to debate about. Is this actually a Christmas movie or is it a movie that just happens to be set during Christmas time? Is there a difference? Are there hybrids? What do you think? I'd love to hear from you. And uh, as always, you can reach out to us via the Screen Time podcast homepage at AmericanEagle.com or you can reach me at rroper at suntimes.com. That's rroper at suntimes.com. Hit me up at Twitter. I'm at Richard E. Roper. Everybody always has a lot of opinions about this. The most famous example of the debate about whether or not a film is a Christmas movie. It comes up every year. It has for years now. The question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? In fact, it's been debated so much that people are tired of debating it and have already made up their minds, but I will tell you on the record, of course, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It has so many Christmas elements in it. We'll we'll talk a little bit about that one as well, but I've got a lot of other examples for you guys as well. Movies that I say are Christmas movies, not just because they're set during the holiday season, but because we do see various Christmas themes in them. For example, have you thought about Batman Returns, 1992? For people who maybe haven't seen this or uh, haven't seen it in a very long time, Batman Returns in 1992 is Tim Burton's sequel to the 1989 huge hit Batman. And that was kind of an, an, an early edition of a superhero film that wasn't a cartoon that was taken very seriously. A lot of people to this day say Michael Keaton might be the best Batman of all time. He's certainly great as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. And in this particular edition of the Batman story, Gotham City is under threat by Danny DeVito's Oswald Cobblepot, who is eventually the Penguin. And it's all pretty much set around Christmas time. And in fact, it's always snowing in Gotham. And Penguin actually uh, sets his goons on the city in a giant present that is open. So there are a lot of uh, Christmas elements in Batman Returns. All right, here's another one for you. And this is the movie. I love this film. So much of its time and yet timeless. Gremlins, 1984. How great was Gremlins? That, of course, was the one. Joe Dante did it, uh, a great horror film director and executive producer, Steven Spielberg, who knew a hit when he saw one. And uh, Zach Galligan plays young Billy. Now, Billy's a, a youngster who gets a Christmas present from his father, and it's a pet. But it's not a dog. It's not a hamster. It's not a rabbit. It's not a fishy. It's a mogwai. And that's a little creature he names his gizmo who is very dark and kind of talks in a little funny gibberish voice but the one thing you have to remember about these gremlins is they will turn on you different rules for the gremlins uh and of course again this is about a christmas uh present but it also has phoebe cates who delivers one of the most infamous monologues of all time about a christmas gone terribly wrong. Billy Pelser has a nice home. 
Yeah, Ma, it's me. A nice job. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to. And loving parents who are about to give him... You're gonna like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're gonna have to open it now. It won't wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift <laughs> he ever got. What is it? No. It's your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. Now, this is interesting because Home Alone is, of course, a Christmas movie. I mean, it's all about uh, things that are happening during Christmas time. And yet Home Alone, which originally came out in 1992, has become a Thanksgiving staple in terms of when it gets re-released. Every year around Thanksgiving, if you're clicking around, you'll see Home Alone. I think that's because it's setting the tone for people after you've had your turkey and watched your football and everybody hopefully in the family has survived uh, Thanksgiving together without killing one another, thoughts turn to Christmas. A lot of families, I know in my family, Thanksgiving is when we always would talk about what we're going to do for Christmas. Who's going to host this year? Are we going to do a grab bag or a secret Santa? What's the price limit on presents that half the family would always break? All that kind of stuff. So you start talking about Christmas around Thanksgiving. And in my family, the tradition was you don't put up your Christmas decorations until after Thanksgiving. I know there are some people who start putting them up in October. Those people are criminals and should be prosecuted for that. So Home Alone, of course, is a Christmas movie. Here's another one for you. Might not have thought of as a Christmas movie. That would be The Long Kiss Goodnight from 1996. Gina Davis and uh, Samuel L. Jackson has a lot of Christmas themes and uh, it's also just a really badass film. If you haven't had a chance to check out The Long Kiss Goodnight from 1996, definitely a Christmas movie. Caitlin, come help me in the kitchen. Hurry up, because I forget where it is. That's her mom. She's got amnesia. <laughs> what if you couldn't remember your real name, your first kiss, or your last goodbye? I don't Honey, you have an ETA on that carrot? Stow it. And then suddenly... I used to do this! I'm a chef! No! Without warning... Give me something else! Celery! Galleons! All your memories... Name's Charlie. I'm coming back. ...came flooding back to you. Isn't Charlie? Long time. One bullet at a time. And, of course, there are a lot of comedies that take place during the Christmas season, primarily. One of my all-time favorites is Trading Places from 1983. Now, Eddie Murphy is Billy Ray Valentine. He's a street hustler. There's the famous opening scene where he's pretending to be a legless veteran. He's neither. He's always trying to pull off some sort of con. And meanwhile, Dan Aykroyd is Louis Winthorpe, and he is the heir to great wealth and uh, the big experiment, the social experiment there is if you trade these guys places, is it all about genetics or environment? Will Billy Ray adapt to his lifestyle as suddenly wealthy? And how will Lewis do on the streets? And of course there are some famous scenes there where Dan Aykroyd uh, wears the Santa suit to try to infiltrate the company party and he has a dirty beard, and there's this really gross-out scene where he eats a stolen fish while dressed as Santa Claus. Ho! 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 I had the most absurd nightmare. 
I was poor and no one liked me. I know what you're thinking. You see Poggy and Ben? We can make it, baby! Me and you! Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy are trading places. Help! Help! Hey, I don't want your bag, man. Help! Help! I'll bet that that man could run our company as well as your young one thought. Are we talking about a wager, Randolph? Is there a problem, officer? Oh, Winthrop. I'm glad your parents are not alive to see this. I want to go back to Die Hard from a moment, the 1988 action classic, which really kind of has ignited the debate about what is a Christmas movie, what is not a Christmas movie. It was not released during the Christmas season. When it first came out and for years after, I didn't hear a lot of talk about whether or not it was a Christmas movie. There was just a lot of talk about how it was the perfectly constructed action thriller and of course has been imitated but never duplicated time and time again through numerous sequels but also uh movies like speed which was die hard on a bus and under siege which was die hard on a navy ship and many other movies that they basically took the same kind of lone rogue guy gets caught up in some sort of crazy circumstances and has to try to thwart the evil bad guys now uh die hard is set on Christmas Eve. As you might remember, the Nakatomi Tower. Um, I always thought it was kind of weird that they were having their Christmas party on Christmas Eve, the evening of Christmas Eve, because most families, if you celebrate Christmas and most companies, everybody wants to be home on Christmas Eve to spend time with their family. It's Christmas Eve. You're not at the company party. The company, and I don't know if they especially after COVID, but a lot of companies, I think, still have office parties, right? The office party is like December 10th, like two weeks in advance when people still have time to hang out with the, you know, their coworkers and hopefully toast a good year of business together. But uh, Christmas Eve, but okay, that's the conceit of Die Hard. It's set on Christmas Eve and they're all getting together. I guess nobody wants to go home. They're having their cocktails. They're celebrating their good fortune. And then Hans Gruber... And his terrorists come in there and start shooting the place up, and off we go. And, of course, there were Christmas themes throughout, uh, including the time, uh, the moment when uh, New York copper John McClane takes out one of the henchmen, sends him down on the elevator, and it says, now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. And um, it's clearly all about the season. It's a Christmas movie that takes place during Christmas. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Die hard. Welcome to so your lady live out here? About the past six months. Why'd you go with her, man? What's up? Because I'm a New York cop. Can't just pick up and go that easy. John, I missed you. You can walk out of here or be carried out, but have no illusions. We are in charge. Think, damn it, think. Got a fire alarm. Here's another one that is hardly filled with Christmas cheer, but in some ways is a Christmas movie and certainly has all types of Christmas trimmings to it. And that would be Eyes Wide Shut from 1999. This is the late, great Stanley Kubrick, of course, uh, and uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman playing this Manhattan couple and they have it all, but they're caught up in this sort of weird psychosexual trap where they tease each other and mock each other and have these amazing uh, long exchanges about uh, betrayal and jealousy 
and fidelity and would you cheat on me if you had the chance and would I care if you cheated on me and what about if I cheated on you and what does it all mean? Um, and of course, there are Christmas decorations throughout, Christmas parties, lots of Christmas things happening during Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, Stanley Kubrick, of course, famously would shoot things over and over and over and over again. So there's just so many Christmas elements in Eyes Wide Shut. If you haven't seen that movie, you definitely need to check it out. All right, so those are just a few uh, films of the last few decades that are certainly not traditional Christmas films. They're not telling the Christmas story. It, they're certainly not, it's not. We're not talking about It's a Wonderful Life or White Christmas or films like that, but there are Christmas themes throughout these movies. So yeah, I say they're Christmas movies and you should watch them around the holiday season. You'll get a bigger kick out of it. We're going to take a quick break now. When we come back, we're going to talk about the movie I think is the quintessential action film that's also a Christmas movie. And no, I'm not talking about Die Hard. I think it is time to tell you about Portillo's. Okay. The greatest single fast casual cuisine experience you're going to have anywhere on the planet Earth. Right down to the poppy seed bun. You're going to enjoy it so much because it's one of the million great ingredients that Portillo's uses, whether it's the Italian beef or the sausage or the legendary chocolate cake. That's just all the beginning. Mm -hmm. The fries, the salads, the chicken. I'm telling you, if you have Portillo's- The burger. It, the burger's great. Yes. And, and you can get beer at the Portillo's too if you go nice. into the store. Nice. I'm just going to tell you right now. If you have a Portillo's near you and you've not eaten at a Portillo's before, let's say you live in California, Arizona, or Florida, where it's relatively new, you want to check it out. Take the Row and Roper endorsement here. It's one of the finest experiences you're going to have ever in that kind of a food environment, like fast casual. You know, it's not exactly fast food. You can sit down. It's nicer, but it's super great. Portillos.com, P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S.com. Ask your friends in Chicago about it, Portillos.com. Welcome back to this very special holiday edition of Screen Time. I'm Richard Roper. Rokan is taking a little time off for the holidays. We are talking about movies with Christmas themes that aren't necessarily Strictly about Christmas, but I say they're still Christmas movies. And as we've been talking about, the big debate every year is about Die Hard. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? That has been answered a million times. Yes, it's a Christmas movie. But here's a film from just a year prior to Die Hard. Die Hard came out in 1988. This film came out in 1987. And it is far more of a Christmas movie then Die Hard. I speak of Lethal Weapon. Now I'm going to take you uh, through the timeline of Lethal Weapon and go through some of the many, many, many Christmas-themed elements throughout this movie. And we're going to drop in some clips that'll uh, help you kind of feel like you're along for the trip. But I also urge you, after listening to this podcast, to actually go back and watch Lethal Weapon. And by the way, the first Lethal Weapon, I think, is just as good as Die Hard. When we talk about those classic late 1980s action films, it falls apart. The franchise, I thought, right off the bat with Lethal Weapon 2 and then really took a nosedive. Whereas Die Hard, Die Hard 2 is actually really, really good. 
And there have been some other diehard films along the way that are pretty well done. They're increasingly cartoonish. John McClane has, you know, turns into something straight out of like a superhero movie. Uh, those got ridiculous. But Lethal Weapon, uh, the problem I thought with the franchise is the first one is very funny, but it's also very dark. It earns its R rating in the first four minutes of the film, and it felt of the real world. The car chases, the gun battles, the fist fights, uh, the corruption case, uh, the humanity of uh, Roger Murtaugh, played by Danny Glover and his family, all of that felt grounded in the real world. And if you go through the Lethal Weapon franchise, it becomes uh, like slapstick, really, you know, very quickly and loses all of its edge and, to me, loses all of its most interesting elements. Now, we'll go back and talk about the first Lethal Weapon. It comes out in 1987. The first scene we see, and it's so beautifully done, and I remember seeing this in a theater and instantly knowing we were in for a bad-ass ride. The first scene, we hear Jingle Bell Rock by Bobby Helms. Kind of an upbeat, pop, fun, catchy Christmas song. And then we swoop in on this high rise and we see Christmas lights on the balconies and this this giant tower and then other other apartments are completely pitch black. Almost like we're looking at uh, some of these people are believers and some are non-believers and you know, the, the dichotomy of life and all that sort of symbolism. Then the camera zooms in on one particular apartment. Beautiful, beautiful work, by the way. And we see this apartment, there's Christmas lights and a tree. So we think, okay, there might be some joy and hope inside this apartment. That uh, hope is quickly snuffed out when we see a girl, played by Jackie Swanson, um, who is completely out of it. Uh, she's half naked. She has uh, imbibed in a lot of uh, substances. She takes a snort of Coke. She staggers outside, she climbs to the railing, and she jumps to her death. And that is the shocking beginning of Lethal Weapon, in which we often see this juxtaposition of Christmas and celebration with hopelessness and despair. Following morning, we're at the Murtaugh household, and it's the 50th birthday of LAPD Sergeant Roger Murtaugh, who's played by Danny Glover. Now, think about this. He's only 50. They're putting him out the pasture in this movie half the time. His famous phrase, of course, is, I'm too old for this shit. So when we visit the Murtaugh household, there's a plastic Santa Claus on the roof. There are lights hanging from the gutters. There's a big wreath on the front door. And inside, the trees all up and decorated and trimmed and Christmas stockings. This is a happy home filled, filled with Christmas and the joy of Christmas. And then we see the family celebrating his birthday. The kids all come and surprise him while he's in the bathtub, which is a weird place for the family to come in and say happy birthday, but whatever. And we see this frantic but very busy and happy household. And Christmas is everywhere in that house. Then we cut. On the same day, to Mel Gibson's Martin Riggs, who's in his trailer, who's by himself, and he's coughing and smoking, and he's got a gun on the pillow next to him, and he's watching Family Feud on TV, and there's not a Christmas decoration in sight. So even before Murtaugh and Riggs meet each other, we see that there's Christmas in the life of the Murtaugh family, and there's Scrooge, if you will when it comes to Martin Riggs. 
Now, think about the first time we see Martin Riggs in action. It's the very famous scene where he goes to a Christmas tree lot to make a drug buy and then uh, at the last second reveals himself to be a real cop with a real badge and they're really under arrest. And then there's a famous shootout within the Christmas tree lot itself. You want it all? Yep. He wants it he all. He wants it all. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. I'll give you the best tree I got in a lot for nothing. Hey, thanks. But the shit's going to cost you a uh, hundred. What, that much? Hey, you said you liked it. That's a fair price. Yeah, hell, you only live once. <laughs> Get this together here. <laughs> 20, 20, 60, 70, 25. Hey, what the fuck? Hey, man. 95, 90. Hey. Come on, shut up, man. I'm losing count. 93, 94, 95, 96. Forget it, you dumb shit! One hundred thousand! One hundred thousand dollars! One hundred thousand? I'm sorry, I can't afford that, not on my salary. But look, I'll tell you what, I got a better idea. Here. Now, let me say I, uh, I take the whole stash off your hands for free, and you assholes can go to jail. Hey, what do you whoa, say about that? Uh, later that night, Martin Riggs, back home, if you want to call it a home, in his trailer. He's hammered. He's wallowing in in devastating grief over his dead wife. And there's a Bugs Bunny Christmas special playing on the TV. And it's almost like the opposite of It's a Wonderful Life. Now we cut to the police station a little while later, and a bunch of police officers are rehearsing Silent Night. Pretty nice, right? Silent Night. See a Christmas wreath in the background. Murtaugh's uh, supervisor uh, tells kind of a funny, weird joke that he, you know, is alone the night before weeping and then punctuates that by saying Merry Christmas. Later on, when Martin Riggs steps out on the ledge to talk to a possible jumper, what does he say to the guy? Merry Christmas. And then he says, you know, a lot of people have got problems, especially during the silly season. Now think about Martin Riggs saying a lot of people have got problems, especially during the silly season. He thinks Christmas is the silly season because he is the epitome of the non-believer. We see Christmas red, by the way, everywhere in Lethal Weapon. Martin Riggs wears shades of red throughout. Murtaugh sports a red tie. Riggs has red headphones at the shooting range. A house with a plastic Santa on its roof explodes. We see kids wearing red, sitting near a red fire truck, telling the cops what happened. Everybody's wearing red. A drive-by gunman has red car. Even Murtaugh's wife, Darlene Love, wears a red blouse. And um, let me tell you something. When it comes to things like production and wardrobe and design, when a color permeates so many different scenes and red representing Christmas, that's not an accident, folks. Remember this? When Riggs frees Murtaugh and his daughter from the kidnappers, what does he say? He says, let's do what one shepherd said to the other shepherd. Let's get the flock out of here. How about that? Let's get the flock out of here. Later, Joshua blasts his way into the Murtaugh home. A Christmas carol is playing on the TV. When Scrooge says, what day is it? Joshua shoots the TV and roars, fucking Christmas. (laughs) But here's the thing. Joshua cannot kill Christmas and hope. The movie continues to play on another TV in the home. You got to believe. There's even a moment uh, very late when Riggs hands over the bullet he was always going to use to kill himself. It's wrapped in a red velvet bow. Cue I'll be home for Christmas and the end credits. 
Here's what it comes down to, folks. Like Ebenezer Scrooge, Riggs is a miserable, lonely cuss who snarls at the very idea of Christmas. But with Murtaugh's help, he gets the wake-up call overnight. He's welcome into the Murtaugh home for Christmas dinner, just as Scrooge was welcome into the Cratchit home at the end of A Christmas Carol. Meanwhile, you got to think of Roger Murtaugh as kind of a spiritual, cinematic brother, if you will, to Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life. He's the agent of change, helping Riggs realize that life is still very much worth living, that he shouldn't try to kill himself, just like George Bailey shouldn't try to kill himself. Christmas is really the driving force in this movie that continues throughout the film to illustrate the vast differences between the lives of Murtaugh and Riggs at the start of the movie, and Christmas is the catalyst that brings them together by the end. Without Christmas, Lethal Weapon is not Lethal Weapon, my friends. I hope you'll go back and watch it with a new, fresh Christmas set of goggles. I'm Richard Roper. This is Screen Time. Thank you so much for listening. The Roan Rubber Podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. Our executive producers, Tim Alanius, Renee Nelson, Demita Menezes is our production director. We'll see you next time.